I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is the Syrup Arcade Cast, Mobile Syrup and Syrup Arcade's gaming podcast. I'm your co-host, Dean Daly, and I'm here with the pod's other host, Brad Shankar. How are you doing today? Uh, it's a busy time, but uh, lots of games to catch up on, lots of games to talk about, so I'm excited. Cool. And we, with us, we also have, again, I'm always going to say it, uh, Chris Brown, not the singer. But can you sing, Chris? I, no, 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 no. You don't want me at karaoke. Really? Karaoke at best karaoke i love karaoke and karaoke so uh well i'll trick you into it sometime but how are you doing today chris i'm good i'm very excited to be here a lot of games to talk about this is my favorite time of every month so yeah let's do it i am super excited to start talking about a game that came out in august we're a little late or august for pc players and september for us sony players but we're gonna start with Baldur's gate 3 this is the only game on our list that all three of us have played. And uh, I'm going to just start off with, I haven't finished it yet. I'm in Act 3, uh, but I love it. I've just really enjoyed the game so much. Um, I I my char- I have one character where I'm like a rogue. Wait, should I explain what Baldur's Gate 3 is first? It might need a little bit of background, even though there's a one and two, it's been like 20 years since the old game. So might need a little bit of a, a, re- right, a Mr. refresh. Mr. Brown, you give a little explainer first. Whoa. Uh, where do we start with this? Uh, I, I guess we would probably describe it as Baldur's Gate is a classic CRPG series. So uh, think kind of like old school Fallout or something along those lines. Planescape Torment. Uh, if you If you don't know those games, though... It is a turn-based RPG uh, with a lot of narrative decisions. Uh, It's actually based off of Dungeons & Dragons, so it's not just an original role-playing one. This is an officially licensed Dungeons & Dragons game. So if you know how to play 5th edition, you go into this and you know exactly how to play. Uh, It's really awesome, and I guess the best thing I could do is probably say to just look it up and check it out yourself. It's taken the internet by storm, and uh, I think we're all enjoying it. Yeah, it was developed by Larian Studios, I believe, and yep. uh, they're the ones who also did Divinity Original Sin and Divinity Original Sin 2, so if you've played those games, they're also very similar to Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, yeah. Except there's a lot more dice in this game, or die. die. Yep, yeah, yeah. Di- die being similar, <laughs> dice being plural. Uh, yeah, I, I guess that's a big change. So the original Baldur's Gate games, just for a little bit of context here as well, they were made by Bioware back in the day. It was a uh, a co-production between Bioware and another company called Black Isle Studios, who unfortunately shut down. But these are some of the games that made Bioware. Before they did Knights of the Old Republic and uh, you know Mass Effect and all of those, this was the game that really put them on the map. Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate 2 especially. And they were based off of Dungeons & Dragons, but they weren't actually turn-based. You would kind of stop the action 
and you tell that your characters what to do and then it would play out in front of you so instead when larian took over they took what they had done on divinity with the turn base and they said what if we made it more like DD? like you actually had to roll dice every time you do it and it is probably my favorite mechanic this year because every time a dice roll comes up there's so much just like pressure that comes on like, i don't know have you guys managed to roll a critical one at a really key moment uh yeah or not me actually i don't think i have but i have seen it done with my friends like in okay. the party who've like like so many like i have one friend and i'm like do you have weighted die to where it's only critical ones because you roll so many of them it's so bad <laughs> it's it's amazing how it happens like it so so basically just like in D D, if you roll a 20 on a 20 sided die it's considered a critical success and no matter what happens you you've succeeded it if you roll a critical one no matter what you fail no bonuses no nothing you just fail and so they've managed to weaponize rng and it's it's really really cool it creates a lot of tense situations uh when a lot of other games kind of dialogue can feel like you're just going through the paces here it feels like there's always really high stakes so it's cool brad how far are you in the game oh and chris has finished it to be clear to everyone brad and brad you're how many hours did that take chris hard to say i'm gonna be honest i have about four campaigns going so <laughs> yep yep not sure okay yeah i i love the game i don't think i could do that <laughs> that's a little much especially because there's so many other games right now but i respect that uh no i'm uh right before i was just clearing up everything i'm right before like the point of no return in act two so i did all of the gauntlet of Shar, and i'm at the part where you can go into the was it Shadowfell? Is that what's called? Um, and it's it tells you, oh, you might want to complete things before you go through. So uh, I did. So I've done. I'm doing almost everything, pretty much. So I'm I'm kind of meticulous. I think I'm over forty hours right now. But yeah, I love it. I get it. Uh, I totally get it. Um, it's <laughs> you know we were talking about how how good Zelda was uh, and how that was like a front runner for game of the year, and and now I don't know. <laughs> yeah it's 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 so good to the fact that i it's hard to play other games sometimes because i just want to keep playing Baldur's gate um another game we'll talk about later is starfield and i haven't even tried to bother play that game yet just because i've been having so much fun with Baldur's gate i was just gonna say when we get into that i, I think a lot of people myself included uh starfield in and of itself it was just a very underwhelming game and then i think especially coming after uh Baldur's Gate 3 just made it look even worse in a lot of ways yeah. and I think there was even that like PC gamer story where it's like Star uh Baldur's Gate 3 ruined Starfield for me and I read it and I was nodding my head the entire time reading like everything this guy I like I might as well just have written this it's everything I I believe so uh yeah that's why I did the opposite where I'm like I'll play a bit of Starfield just so I can have an informed opinion on it and I put about 20 hours into it and we'll talk more about that later but then I dropped it and I, I got it I, I like I want to save BG3 for second because I know that's going to be the better game and I'm glad I did so so let's let's have a little fun here what is your character like Brad uh so I always go kind of goody goody two-shoe with these sorts of choice driven games I just I can't help it I I just feel bad whenever I do things uh that are quote-unquote evil so I, I went, I kind of thought I would like canonize that by going with like the paladin, um, like a, a virtuous sort of knight. I, I like the idea. I mean, the name just sounds cool. Uh, it kind of reminds me of Final Fantasy IV. The main character of that is a paladin uh, as well. Cecil, um, 
Chris will appreciate that. Uh, so I, I kind of like that throwback as well. But I just, for me, what I think is really cool about it, and I'm going to write about a, a piece about this because Chris already did a brilliant review of the game. You should check that out. So I'm going to do something a little different because he actually reviewed it. Uh, but I think I'm going to write about how it's the first time that I've really understood playing a role in a game, like in, in an RPG. Like I've generally, and I've talked about before, I'm generally being more of a Japanese role-playing game guy, which those are preset characters, predetermined characters. I mean, you can customize some of their, you know, stats, but overall, like they're a defined character. Uh, the Western RPGs obviously tend to be more so you can create your own character and do whatever you want with them. Uh, and I've always appreciated those. Like I love Mass Effect, but even like in something like Mass Effect, I'm playing Commander Shepard and I'm making choices, but I never really felt like, oh, I'm, this is a rigid. I need to do this. I need to do that. Uh, this is what my Shepard would do. I just kind of did it at play of the moment, uh, spur of the moment sort of thing. But in BG3, like I I feel like I partly because the game enforces it and in, in depending as a paladin there's like oaths that you can't break but also just in the decisions that i'm making like i feel like i'm actually embodying this character uh that i've created which is really cool like the choices that i'm making the the people that i'm romancing the even the the, the gear that i'm equipping the quests that i do um in a way that i haven't felt that before and, and even like little things like you can choose like i made my character half elf half human and then there was dialogue that reflected that, which is really cool because I'm biracial in real life and I don't see that ever represented in media. Um, so it was really cool. Like I was just in the early area in the um, uh, the Grove. Um, there's like someone like playing, like trying to come up with a song for her friend. It was her friend or her partner. I think it was her friend uh, who had died. Uh, and you can choose like a bajillion options of what she should compose. And then I just had this dialogue with her about why don't you write a song about being mixed? And I'm like, that's so cool. Like that I've never seen that in a game before. And like, that's me. And it's like kind of reflecting my life experience. And when I saw that, that kind of clicked for me, like, Oh, okay. I'm literally like embodying this role. This is my character. I, in a way that I haven't felt in an RPG before, which I thought was really cool. In one of my playthroughs, I kill her. The, 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 oh. <laughs> the animals are like, the noise. It's so bad. Stop it. And I was like, I'll stop it for you guys. Animals. So then I kill her. Um, <laughs> because you can talk to animals, which is also really great. I love I love the game. My character, I, I have multiple characters because I'm in multiple playthroughs as well. But uh, my main playthrough, or the one I'm furthest in, I'm a rogue and I'm in the shadows, stealthy and stuff. I'm a drow, uh, which means a dark elf. Um but I also am a bard. I uh, I started as like an arcane trickster, but you can reclass and you can reclass very easily in this game, which I love. I love that it gives you the opportunity to try out new things. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a part of my RP though was I went to my friends and I said, hey guys, I'm, I'm coming out of my shell. I've been playing music quietly on the side and now I'm going to take it to the streets and become a bard. So now I a, became a, a rogue bard-like character who's playing music and do all these cool things. Um, but I, I random thing, I love that I could just play music and people throw money at you. <laughs> it's just like you're like you just pick up the change off the ground and you're like that's a trophy. That's so you get in a hundred coins as a trophy. And I'm like this is really random, not something I thought that this game would have, but I love it. Chris, tell us about one of one of your characters. So similarly, uh, in my solo playthrough, which is the one that I've completed, is I, I played a warlock 
who was a drow as well. And and much like you guys, I, it was really interesting seeing how every decision that you made when you're making your character played out. Because when you play a drow, you know, uh, being somebody who comes from a race that was seen as evil in the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, in Faerun, Lolth Drow, for example, uh, have basically been raised to despise other races. And so they're, they're seen as very violent and all these things. Whereas the other uh, Drow, who also were raised in the Underdark, ha- basically want to make amends and are looking to create peace with other races and species. And so playing a drow in this game comes with a lot of consequences that dean i'm sure you've seen as well like a lot of people outright hate you when they first meet you you kind of have to overcome those barriers and for me that's playing a role that i don't really face in real life as i'm not a visible minority right and so putting myself into that was a really really interesting kind of exercise and i love the game for that because in my other playthroughs i'm playing a dragonborn and that comes with other things and in another one i'm playing just an elf and they don't really face any of the prejudice that the other two do but uh to to get back to it basically uh in my main playthrough i was playing a warlock drow in my other with my friends uh i'm playing a half elf uh rogue as well and dean a similar journey where i was like what if i tried to learn music because we have a bard in our party but I'm really bad at it. And so I just have an instrument, but I don't know how to play it. If I play it during combat, everybody just tries to attack me. And so it's a great way to be a distraction. And like lore-wise, I'm like, well, my character doesn't know how to play, but really wants to be a rock star. So it gives you so many opportunities in every little moment to find your character. It's like not even in dialogue. It's like the way you approach situations. As a rogue, of course, you're going to be sneaking and stealthy and you can pickpocket people. The amount of times I've been thrown in prison, my goodness. But I know how to get (laughs) out of prison really, really well. And my party members are cool to play along with that. Like it's, it's such a good multiplayer game because it allows you to approach situations however you see fit. And then when you're playing solo, it's, it's kind of the payoff. Years ago, Ken Levine, when he finished up Bioshock Infinite and he started his new studio, he talked about how he wanted to create a game that used narrative Lego. Essentially, he wanted something that you could have building blocks and everything would connect in a different way based on how you approached a situation. And I've never seen that pay off before until now. Baldur's Gate is the first time where no matter what I try to do, no matter who you kill, no matter who you save, no matter how you approach a situation and seem to screw it up, the game will adapt to you. It's incredible. So I, I, I highly suggest anybody who is checking the game out even if you don't finish the game and if you know, even if you don't have time, I suggest starting a new playthrough with a new character just to even see the opening few hours and how different they are because that carries through the entire experience. Well, and to your point, I think the game is good in uh, for many reasons, but in that, and we'll get into it later, unlike something like Starfield, which just feels big for the sake of being big, everything feels purposeful in Baldur's Gate. Like you can main just mainline the story if you wanted to and probably do it in a lot shorter but all that side content is purposeful you get what you get as much out of it as you want really how much uh, the the quest you pursue the the people that you recruit the all that stuff like it's it, it it's not like what i like about it is it's not like 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 act one really is just one somewhat large map and then there's a few other like side areas but so it's not really that large by by any kind of metric but it's dense and that's what i like about it um and same thing like act two is pretty much entirely in like the shadowlands and um again there's a few other areas but i like that there's 
it's it's dense you can be like one thing that was cool for me like in act one when i was clearing up everything before i moved on to the point of no return there was an area i went back to the goblin camp i forget for whatever reason but there was an area like in the corner of the map that it hadn't been filled out yet it was a small area but i'm like oh i haven't checked that out let me go go see and then it led to the entire swampland area and I'm like, oh, cool. There's like a Hansel and Gretel sort of old witch here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's a whole story there. And then I, and then after that, because I did that first, I went into like the marshland nearby where there's all these like zombies and everything. And I found some dead bodies. And I'm like, I forgot you could do speak to the dead. So I'm like, I want to try that. And I spoke to the bodies. And it was the family of the woman, of the, of the girl that the witch had kidnapped, uh, who had died trying to find her. And I'm like, that cool little like environmental storytelling that, you could completely miss out on if you just walked out. It's not like, but it, I just, I love that, that sort of thing. And that was entirely just because, oh, this is a part of the map that I hadn't looked at. Again, it's not a huge open world map for the sake of it, but there's purposeful discoveries like that. Something as big as that or something even as small as, oh, here's a little um, shrine or here's a little whatever. And they're, and they're all varied, which I love. I, you know, what's funny about that, Brad. If you went in from the other angle, you see the two brothers try to talk to the the grand mm. Gretel, and she's like this old little lady, and she's like, and you're like, man, stop picking on the lady. So I killed them. <laughs> oh no! I killed the two brothers, and because they're like picking on this little lady, and then the lady invites you back <laughs> to her house later, and then you go to her house, and you see what started happening. You're like, wait, no, I don't think I trust this. There's also a. Uh, you speak with animals and you see there's little sheep around you speak to the sheep and they're like they say something like ba or um what was it it was like oh they say something and they're like oh they're like oh i mean ba like because they're like they're not actually sheep it was they're part of the witches oh, cool. cool stuff right yeah. and you're like it looks like this beautiful little area and then you speak to the you speak to her and find out she's a witch and it all turns to this gross swamp and you're just like yeah this is like really cool. It's, you just come in and I, I've done the other, I've done the other way where I came in and saw them dead. You see these like different like ways yeah. to play this game. Oh, yeah. And I didn't even know if that. you, if you go f- through her house, eventually there's a way to get into the Underdark. Yeah. So you're like, what? There's so much depth in that was one game. this one little area. Uh, and, but there's so many options you can do as well. I, I love it even the fact that you can speak to animals and the dead like that is just something that i've been playing all kinds of rpgs since i was a kid and even like in the small ones like pokemon you know you go into characters houses and you talk to all the npcs or whatever that's just something that's kind of routinely ingrained in me but this is the one game where it's like every animal and every corpse i can try to talk to and almost all the time they have something interesting to say even if it's just a fun interaction or it reveals more of the world or part it feeds into a quest and i'm like that just completely changes even that one thing changes how i approach like exploration and going through towns and going through areas or whatever because it's like these are any other game i would just loot a corpse and move on or any other game i'd see a squirrel running by and it's like oh it's just a squirrel it's you know it's just set dressing but this game even little things like that they matter which is cool well and and that's what i was kind of gonna build on because this game is the first one that i can think of where i forget what the main quests are and <laughs> so many times. Are. yes and it, 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 even when we're talking about auntie ethel who's the kind of witch that we're talking about yep. they do a really good job of building it up so that when you eventually get to the swamp you you do realize and get this unsettling feeling 
Totally. But you actually first meet her when you are in the uh, tiefling camp. Like she's just somebody who's selling potions and that oh, I didn't even stuff. know she was there. Yeah, yeah she's there. My friend and told so me that. Yeah. You 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 already have this established relationship where she sells you something, and she seems like a perfectly sweet woman. Then you run into her on the road if you take that path, and and of course you're gonna side with her. We've already met her. We trust her. We have this. So depending on how you approach the situation, and then again. It, depending on the outcome of whether you fight her, you help her, you kill her if you fight her, or you save her if you fight her, there are different rewards and outcomes that can lead to entire paths that will go into Act 3. So the amount of detail that they had to pay to every branching path, you know, I've studied a little bit of nonlinear storytelling, and essentially you're looking at like a, a chart of, okay, point A, B, C, this is going to be the story. And then you have branching, branching, branching. The more dialogue choices you give, the more of those, it, the the scope of the game just expands and expands and expands. I can't even imagine how they built the, the storytelling in this to make sense with all of the choices. Because you're right, you can talk to every animal, you can talk to every corpse. They are not just set dressing. There's no small characters in the game. None of the dialogue that I've heard, I've gone, uh Okay. You know, it's like there's no repeated lines over and over and over. Like, I love Xenoblade to death, but my goodness, you hear some lines 50 times over the course of an hour, and there's none of that. They all feel like people who actually inhabit the world. No, I, I, I love the little things in it, too. I, I was walking along a path, and we saw this blue jay. He looked a little disturbed, so we talked to the blue jay, and you find out that there's some eagles in his nest, right? So you're like, okay, let's go help out this blue jay. From these eagles so we go up to the eagles they're, they're above like the get yankee area and you talk and you go to these eagles and you talk to the eagles and they're just there to protect their their babies but we need something in the nest so we're like you know what let's turn on non-lethal combat let's just knock out these eagles forget about the blue jay screw the blue jay just let's just grab what we need to grab like they're just trying to live their life with their babies this blue jay is a solo blue jay just chilling so let's just do that let's knock them out Right? So we knock them out. When you knock out a character, they are left with about one or two health. Like, super low, but they're sleeping. In the next few seconds, the Blue Jay comes and kills the eagles and says, thanks, man. Thanks for clearing this area for you. And we're like, no! Why did you kill them? We're like, why did you do that? You can't trust anyone. But I just love that they thought of that. They, I, I love that. Like we didn't have to go back to the blue jay and be like, oh, like the nest is free. It knows that the eagles are gone. Like the game, that path was like to tell it to go, and it's just insane what you can do in this game. I, I, I told Chris my romance option, and I won't say it for Brad. I don't want to spoil it. But I told Chris who I romanced, and Chris was like, what? Eddie? No, you can romance that person. I I didn't know you could romance this part. Like, okay, here's the thing: you can you can uh, most people know you can romance most of your party members. You kind of continue to build the party over the course of the game. There are a few other characters you can bring in that aren't romanceable, but you can romance most of your party members. I knew that there was a couple outside of the party that you could romance. I had no idea about this one. That was <laughs> wild. Why yeah. you would want to also pretty wild. <laughs> so questionable at best. I, I can't wait for you to Brad to, to you. You meet this character kind of at the beginning of act three, I want to say, or the end of act okay. two. So you, you're going to get them really soon. Yeah. Um, but it is hilarious. 
Um, but yeah, yeah I'm going to be. There's a few other games that I'm going to have to put a pause on this because of the uh, of the game uh, because there's a few other things that I have to get to. But um, yeah, I'm pretty much at the end of Act Two. Uh, I will say there are some things that I wish. I mean, again, a game this branching and this expansive, there's going to be some kind of issues. But I do think there's sometimes where it feels like the game is saying one thing. And that's not always what happens. Like you were mentioning the, um, like the the un- you went non lethal for the Blue Jays. Like when I was doing the anti ethel quest, she has a bunch of like people who are like possessed by masks, and the game mm. like literally told me this is how you do non lethal. I'm like, oh okay, so if I knock them out, maybe after I kill her, or or even if I talk to their body that I've knocked out, I can remove the mask or whatever, but and then save them, but nothing happened there. I'm like. Okay, it's kind of weird. Or like in the Shadowlands, the um, uh, when you get like one of the lanterns to navigate it, it's the ga- the narrator's like, oh, pixies can't be trusted. They're either uh, mischievous or evil, basically. And I'm like, okay, so I'm just gonna leave her in he- here. Especially after I said that, the the pixies like, I'm gonna kill you. You're a horrible. Hum-. Like, like it basically turned went a complete 180 on you. And then I broke my oath because of that. And I'm like. I'm like, I didn't uh, kill anyone. I didn't think that would break my oath. I'm like, that felt a little cheap uh, to me uh, it, 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 in that sense. But I mean, those are minor things. Obviously, there's so many things you can do in this game that I, I can't expect what, what, everything to play out exactly as I, I, I would have imagined. Which but, oath did you pick? Uh, I, I forget which one. Okay, but, I can only think of Vengeance. I can't remember that. Because to me, I thought mine was like, thou shalt not kill sort of mm. thing is like the, the the whatever it's called but it's like if this thing's already trapped in here and it's basically threatening to kill me i didn't think leaving it in there would be bad right so, like yeah. some things make sense like oh i shoved the, t- one time i'm like oh maybe to get a head start on a fight i'll just try to shove this guy off the cliff but because i didn't provoke the fight i killed him in cold blood for the from the perspective of the game i'm like that makes sense i get that yeah, i'll, yeah, I'll yeah. own that i'll you know i, I did re- <laughs> restart <laughs> start my save but i'm like i i get that at least but uh, but yeah, overall, um, I do just like, I actually kind of like having that oath because it does sort of hold me accountable and keep me on that path of, and then there's obviously benefits and pros and cons to sort of keeping it and maybe becoming an oath breaker or whatever, which is cool. My, uh, my group, our main thing is we do not support slavery. Um, that, cause, and there's a lot of slavery in this game, surprisingly enough. So we do not. It's a good rule of thumb. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, like my other my other campaign, my character is like a, like a rich bastard. He doesn't really care about slavery or not. He's rich. Um, but uh, the, our one campaign, we're like we 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 do not support slavery. If there's a slave master, we'll kill him always. Um, so we let we let the we let the pixie out because technically we'd be enslaving the pixie. Um, and then it gives you like a bonus, and it's super nice, and it goes away. And I was just like, "Ah, oh, thank you, Pixie. This is dope." Um, whereas, like you and Bennett also kept the Pixie in the lamp, so like they're like because it tells you like the game kind of does say like it is mischievous. But if you just try different things, I mean, there's a lot of weird things happen. There's three bosses in that town that you come into afterwards. Um, and you don't have to fight them all to kill them. No. Uh, well, first of all, that town was super cool. It reminded me of Bloodborne, especially yeah, yeah, yeah. the, like the, the medical clinic with, and like one of the, the weapons that the doctor uses, even like the buzzsaw thing from Bloodborne, it looks like yeah. just like it. So I was getting real Bloodborne vibes from there, but yeah, I love like, even as an example, the, 
I uh, Thorm, Thorm, I think his name was the the big bartender dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I love that you could just you can kill him. him by drink out drinking him. Yeah, which yeah, is amazing. Great. Again, to the point of your choices actually mattering in both big and small ways. Like the stories you can tell him are all the side quests you've done. So yeah. like I did every side quest pretty much. So my list was like super long. I'm like, oh cool, I can just mention any of these. Yeah, uh, he he wasn't really interested in them unfortunately, but. Uh, I just like that, like little things like that, like showing that the the impact, the like recognizing your choices. It actually feels like it matters. Like I love that sort of thing. Yeah, all three of those characters. I don't think I fought in one playthrough. I don't think I fought any of them, but I killed them all. Like they just you can you you can get them to kill themselves, and it's just really cool and thoughtful. Or you can have these really hard battles if you want them, if you want to as well. But I just love the choice there. I love the like the different options and what this game has uh there's so much you can do and things that you can never think of trying or like and then i have I'll, I, because i play I, I mostly just play in my campaigns i i in my solo run i, I haven't even gotten to i haven't gone that far I, i'm not i don't actually have as much fun playing it by myself um but playing it with my friends and my friends will say something and i'm like that sounds kind of dumb but all right i'm not gonna i'm gonna let them try it and then it turns out good and it's you get a trophy or something and it's it's fun i love that that is a that is what happened like that's how i knew that you can you didn't have to kill those guys because one of my friends spoke to it the 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 money one yeah uh, the gold, yeah. yeah and it just blew itself up and it was just like Okay, cool. I don't. Why did that happen? And why did you think that that would ha- like for me? I was ready to start attacking it. Like I was sneaking up on it, and my friends like, no, let me talk to it first. And I was like, all right. Well, well and for full context, I'll just say because I actually haven't played the game with anyone else. I've only played it solo. So I, obviously, uh, that's and that's what I think is so cool about it: the fact that you can play it entirely solo, entire entirely with friends, and the experience is great both ways. Obviously, you get something different if you play with someone else, but I think that's super cool. And, and, you know, I think both play very differently. They're almost like two different games because when you're playing solo, a lot of the focus is on your party members and growing those relationships, seeing those arcs. When I've played both, both the one, one campaign I'm playing with my dad, and so it's just the two of us, so we bring party members along, and another one I'm playing with friends. And so with them, we don't even pay attention to the party members. It's, it's too much to focus on for all of us to go through all the dialogue. Only one of you can really you know, focus on a party member. And if you don't bring them with mm-hmm. you, they're not going to have as strong of feelings about situations and all of that. So it's, it's really a different experience on how you play it. But I also just think that it encourages creativity in such a refreshing way. Uh, the way that things pay off is always, or not always, almost always satisfying to how you initiated it. So if you choose combat and you go the violent approach, you have creativity in the way that you actually go through that using your abilities and all of your items. If you choose to talk your way through it, depending on how you talk your way through it, that could pay off. If you choose to avoid it entirely and use environmental stuff, that will pay off. And I find that in a lot of games, I choose to not be overly creative because I'm more interested in the story. And, you know, creativity is such a part, a a large part of what we do day to day in our writing and so much of that, that I'm really looking for that escape. Whereas a game like this, the story is the creativity. And so that's why I always want to see every outcome and try to do things that no one else has thought of. And that's such a rare thing. So I, I really, really appreciate it with this game. So I think we should move on to the next game on the list. 
the game that came out the same day as Baldur's Gate 3 for PlayStation players, Starfield. I have not touched Starfield because I've been playing Baldur's Gate and then I've moved on to Lords of the Fallen and Lies of P. So, uh, you two, how is it? Uh, it doesn't sound like you like it a lot, Brad. Uh, and Chris, are you of the same mind? I am most likely on the same page as Brad. I don't know to what degree, but I know we've talked about this a little bit in the past. I'm also, I've never connected with Bethesda games at the same level that a lot of people have. Skyrim maybe being the exception where I found a playstyle that I really, really liked. And so I ended up not even really doing any story stuff, just kind of doing thieving throughout the world. I became a thief who just stole every item and hoarded gold. But uh, <laughs> outside of that, I've never really connected with their games. But I'm also more of a sci-fi guy than I'm a fantasy guy. So I thought this might be the one didn't really turn out that way I, I yeah maybe i'll let brad you kind of dig in first and i can chime in yeah for me it just everything about it just feels sterile and superficial like it, it it's offering the illusion of freedom the illusion of this is a grand story that you're on and you're doing all these kinds of things but all of it just feels undercooked like from the exploration, which is literally just you navigating menus and selecting, uh, hovering over a JPEG and then selecting a landing point to when you actually land on said planet and it's completely empty. Uh, and then the game literally has a mechanic where you can build outposts like Fallout 4. So the game basically wants you to make this empty planet less empty. Um, there's no vehicles to traverse this long space on these empty planets. So you're literally oh, running... All? No. So you're literally running like 1500 in-game meters, which is a lot from one generic sci-fi facility to another generic sci-fi facility with pretty much the same copy and paste stuff in between the, the allies that you have are all automatons. I've seen that word thrown around a lot and I agree with it, especially compared to Baldur's Gate three. I've had one conversation with Asterion has more personality and charm <laughs> than anybody I've met in 20 hours of Starfield. Like, Very much so. The character, the characters are just dull. I couldn't tell you anything about any of them. I only remember Sarah Morgan because she's like the first one you meet. Um, the I feel that I find the the shooting is very serviceable at best. Like, and the funny thing is, there is a thing with that with the game. Like, you can unlock powers, but they hide that from you. And you and it, it it because of the way the game's structured, it's through the main quest. So if you just go off and do the side content, which a lot of players are going to do, you're going to miss unlocking these powers. It, it, what they should have done is like a, a Tears of the Kingdom sort of thing, where you're railroaded into the first few hours of everyone has to do the same thing, and you unlock all the main abilities. So then that way, when you go off to explore, everyone has the same toolkit, right? So what you do with that toolkit is up to you. Uh, that's what's cool about Tears of the Kingdom. It's you go, go, go fun, go on, you'll have fun. But in this game, yeah, like I completely missed that. So the combat for me was just pew, 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 the most generic guns. And I'm like, this is supposed to be what, like hundreds of years in the future. And there's like, it's just generic rifles and shotguns and everything. Uh, and people are like, oh, this is Bethesda's best combat. Yeah, and I'm like, well, that's not saying much. <laughs> you know? Like, maybe if it was like a Mass Effect 1 to Mass Effect 3 style, where Mass Effect 3 was literally like Gears of War level of, of shooting versus the first game. But like this game, I'm like, okay, it's it's a little better than Fallout, but Fallout was never that good for shooting. And Fallout at least had the VAT system to kind of make it a little different. And Skyrim had m magic, of course, and like bows and arrows and, and everything. So, yeah, I just... I, it, to me, it's the epitome of a game that's big for the sake of being big, but it, there's nothing compelling to do in it. Uh, again, compared to 
to something like BG3, which is has a lot of content. You could spend just as much, if not longer, playing one playthrough of BG3, but everything is varied. Everything feels purposeful. Everything is dense. Um, it's Everything feels handcrafted. It's not just here's a, a bunch of planets that are palette swaps of the same thing. Like, yeah, I, I respect that, you know, the they got to make the game they wanted seemingly um you know i, I know it, it it seems at least in my experience it was fairly polished which is something kind of faint praise for but it's it's something for bethesda especially given how big the game is uh and i've seen people who are having a good time with it and I, i'm happy for them i just i after 20 hours i'm like i'm really not enjoying this there's no sense of wonder or mystery or it, the, the world is so boring to me like there's nothing interesting about the lore like finding out the reason like why earth was abandoned and all that uh, like i read up on that after the fact i'm like oh okay that's kind of dull um i'm like i'm like mass effect in in five minutes had a more interesting sci-fi world uh than starfield did in 20 yeah i'm like i especially because this year is such a good year for games i'm like this if it is up for game of the year with it, and I think it might be just because they're of a bit of a probably Bethesda bias from some people, but I think, I don't think it deserves to even be in the top 10 of these year personally. Dang. That is saying something from a Bethesda game. That is crazy. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. And I come for context. I come from a similar place, place as Chris, where I, I don't have a, a lineage with these games generally, but I did really enjoy Skyrim. I played a lot of it. I got really into that in high school and, I did like it as a game. But even then, like, that's a game where in any other Bethesda game prior to this, you could start from point A and realistically run all the way to the other end of the map. And that's the sort of exploration. And that's cool. Like, I like, I have fond memories of going through Skyrim and, oh, here's this academy and, like, the the winty, ma- the snowy mm-hmm. mountains. And there's this whole, like, story to that. I'm like, that's cool. And, and if such a thing was in Starfield, there would be 500 menus in between that. Even the, the main quest lines the first five of them are like fetch quests is like go to this planet go to this planet go to this planet go to this planet just to like and ultimately talk to one person and i'm like this is like 2005 game design guys like oh, the, the mission design like even if you yeah. can't avoid all the the loading screens and everything because i get it it's, there's technical limitations with that it's like even the the, the story design the quest design and, and even just I don't feel like I'm really having an impact on things. Like the choices that I'm making just feel pretty superficial. Like even like I, I joined, I did one of the last side quests I did was joining this, like I think it was biotech company or whatever. Um, and then you, the person wants you to go get coffee for her because you're like bottom of the totem pole. So I go to get the coffee and then some ex employee shows up to me. Uh, and on, unlike BG three, which at least has kind of a fun randomized ish, like RNG sort of thing with the, the die like i talked to this guy and because i didn't say the right thing he just tried to kill me and i'm like oh okay there's no way around that it's just it it felt like oh i wanted to save you but it didn't feel like i had any chance to really do that and and then i'm like yeah i'm just not feeling it (laughs) so yeah it's an interesting case where in some ways i think they know their audience better than anyone because i think what people really want from a bethesda game are the tools to create their own fun and I think the creation engine is the best on the market when it comes to modding. They're very open for that sort of thing. And I'm sure the community will take this game and run with it forever. And from what I understand of New Game Plus, it definitely offers you a ton of options for replayability. It completely changes the experience every time that you go into a New Game Plus. 
And so I think in terms of longevity, and this audience definitely loves to play Bethesda games for a very, very long time, that's there for them. For those people who want all 1,000 planets, that's going to offer them a lot of content. But as you said, it's just a lot of content. It's not really high-quality content. Now, with that said, I did find that um, on Xbox when I was playing, tweaking the controls really made the combat feel better. I was able to tweak them a little bit, and I, I did find that it felt really good. And on PC, by default... This is far and away the best feeling Bethesda game. Like it's not even, I wouldn't even put it in the same realm as other Bethesda games. It, it genuinely felt like a pretty decent shooter once I had uh, switched over to PC. And I was like, oh, okay, I kind of get the appeal here. Like I loved raiding ships. And just like in Skyrim, once I found an, a, a sort of an activity that I enjoyed for maybe 10 hours, I was satisfied just stealing ships. For whatever reason, that was like a fun thing for me where, okay, somebody landed on this planet. I'm just going to go and steal their ship. And that uh, building up a collection of all these random ships that I had was was in- enjoyable for me. And and uh, it, it presented a little bit of that role-playing aspect. And out in space, if you take down somebody's engines, then you can board them. And if you take them out, then you can have the ship. So there was that one little mechanic that I enjoyed. But beyond that, I completely agree. There was nothing about the story that hooked me the characters, I think probably the one who stood out to me the most was Sam Coe, uh, partially because Elias Tufexis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's he's he's the Deus Ex voice actor, and so I was like, oh well, I'm yeah, I'm, I guess I'm a little bit more emotionally attached because of that, and he tells dad jokes and stuff. But yeah, beyond that, there wasn't really anything, and I think also it was hurt not only because I had been playing Baldur's Gate, which really is a hard comparison to go back to Mm -hmm. but they are very different games so i'm like okay cast that aside the problem was i then started playing for the first time in in several years since it launched cyberpunk 2077 Mm. and the challenge there is those games are both dialogue heavy you have companions you're growing relationships the difference is that in cyberpunk 2077 when you're having a conversation with somebody you have control of the camera still. And so no matter how long a conversation is, no matter how boring the dialogue is, not that it was very often in Cyberpunk, but the the difference is I can be looking around the scene. I can be doing different things. Like it, it helps you to maintain focus. In Starfield, the camera is locked to this person's face. And if they move around the environment, it just follows their face. And it's this creepy, as you said, automaton effect that mm-hmm. all of a sudden they go from being human to a face or like not even a face it's it's pixels pasted onto a skeleton like it, there's this weird disconnect where it's it's hard to find the humanity in the characters in a way that I didn't find with either Baldur's Gate or Cyberpunk which are the two other narrative games I played at the time and so yeah I think there are kind of cool mechanics I think the ship combat is just okay I had played Everspace 2 because it was free on Game Pass as well and the, the ship combat there blows this out of the water the dialogue was better in Baldur's Gate and Cyberpunk. The shooting is better in like Warhammer Vermintide 2, which is another Game Pass game. Like, I just think everything that's in this game, beyond the modding and the people who are really into the Bethesda style, cozy experience, you can just find better elsewhere. And so that's kind of where I landed. And to your point, it isn't fair to compare it to other games like bg3 or whatever yeah so that's fine I, I i get that to me like even just on a base level if you're looking at broader quest design and everything like totally you mentioned sam as a good example when you first meet him and do like his first quest he wants you to go to a planet with him you go there it's kind of like a saloon type 
because he's like a cowboy so it's kind of like a cowboys and aliens sort of whatever uh and you get there and there's like a hostage situation at the bank and then so your options are negotiate with them let them kill the hostages or fight them really and those are really so it's either the bad guys die the hostages die or you just you know f off really and it's really just three outcomes and they don't really have any impact on anything larger. But even in the context of the quest, it's really just three sort of outcomes that are kind of boring. And that's sort of every quest in that game. That's kind of like I saw some when someone like kind of boiled that down that way. I'm like, yeah, that's a good point. Like, even if we're not thinking about how BG3 has so many different outcomes and so many different ways of an intertwining quest or whatever, just the quest design is just so rigid like that, where it's, it's all very, this happens, this happens. It's like ending A, ending B, ending C. And there's not a lot of variety in between. And I'm like, it really just comes to, in my case, oh, I play characters. I like to play characters who have who are good in conversation. So I usually emphasize persuasion and those types of skills. For so sure. for me, it's like, oh, I'm going to negotiate to stop them. But really, that didn't change anything. Like, I didn't feel like I really did anything interesting. And like, it didn't feel like a that should have been like a, a tense, like hostage situation sort of thing, like inside man or whatever. And I'm like, it's there were no stakes. No, it yeah. just felt boring. Well, and just so. to quickly jump on that, and Dean, I think this is probably where you coming off of Baldur's Gate also might run into this is the companions. When in Baldur's Gate, every time you do a mission, if you speak to them, they have some thought on it, right? If they like they feel very human's not the right word because there are a bunch of different species, but uh, you know what I mean? Like they they have thoughts and feelings races. and they, they'll Yeah, yeah, they have uh, different races where where even even like a tiefling will feel different about a situation than a drow will based on how you handled that. Whereas in Starfield, sometimes I'll accidentally throw a grenade. It just happens. I'm bad at the game. I don't know. So I'll accidentally throw a grenade and I would like damage my companion. And for that one moment, they're upset with you because they're like, why would you do that? 30 seconds later, they've completely forgotten that's happened. And those sorts of Issues happen all the time where a situation would play out, they weren't happy with you, and then you go, you do something they enjoy, and they're back in your good books. Like it's it's those shortcomings with the characters as well that a lot of repeated dialogue, a lot of moments where they do something that doesn't really make sense, or like it is the most polished, I guess, in the sense that there aren't a ton of glitches. But the I was never immersed in the world. I was always aware that I was playing a game that i knew how to cheat and and it's i could choose not to do it but if you know that an ai isn't going to put peek around the corner the temptation is still there to just okay one shot peek one shot peek like there's all of those limitations both with the characters the story and the actual combat and so it fell short in so many areas and i really want microsoft to have a win so i hope this game Mm -hmm at least performed well sales-wise. And from what I understand, it did do pretty well, especially on Game Pass for them, a lot of signups and that sort of stuff. I really want them to do well, but I, I I, would agree. This, to me, shouldn't even be in the conversation for Game of the Year, not because I'm not a Bethesda fan. Like, we have enjoyed games in the past. I've played every Bethesda game since, I think, uh, Oblivion. It's just, it feels dated, as you said. And in a year with so many games that are pushing the boundaries of design especially, it just doesn't even register. To me, I kept joking. It wasn't even the best RPG with the name Star in its name that came out around that time. That would right. be Sea of Stars, right. that, which actually had a higher Metacritic, which yeah. I was uh, happy to see. So, 
just quickly, uh, Chris, I think you might be a kleptomaniac. You seem to want to keep stealing crap from people <laughs> in, in these games. You're um, not wrong. I mean, I do like stealing <laughs> hearts as well in Persona. So, yeah, hey. probably onto something. <laughs> um, just a funny tie back, though, of, uh, and then we'll move on. But uh, you saying that a character getting, like, a, a companion getting upset with you and then just being, like, forgetting a second later. Uh, there was a moment in uh, BG3 where I did a, we, my buddies were like, we should bring Shadowheart with us. And I was just like, no, nah, it's fine. We don't need her. Uh, we're like, okay. And we do the quest, and Shadowheart comes back, and she's like, you went without me? What the hell? <laughs> Is this the gauntlet of Shar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, yeah. what the hell? And then she yeah. leaves. She's gone. She's never coming yeah. back. <laughs> I mean, to, be, to, to be fair, for like the 30 hours before that, she kept talking about how that's her one life's mission. I watched, I watched that cutscene. I watched that cutscene yesterday. She's literally like, you know, my life is empty and meaningless now because you stole that from me. And I'm like, <laughs> so. but yeah, that, that's, that's kind of a cool way of how your companions react to you. Like in some other yeah. games, it's really just, if you go light side, you get this companion. If you yeah. go dark side, you get this exactly. companion and it locks you out of the other one. And that's really it. But in this game, obviously there's no morality system, which is nice, but also just that, yeah, there's so many different characters that you could get, you could miss that they could leave you just not even die, but just leave you because they're so utterly heartbroken over what you've done. Like, totally. I she's just that. so upset. I was, I laughed. I couldn't. We'll still laugh about it. It's been like it's been a while since that happened, and we'll still just laugh about it. Dean, uh, this is breaking my heart though because one, you killed my favorite character in the game. Alfira, the musician, is my favorite character, <laughs> and then in my solo run, Shadowheart was my romance, and you kicked her out of the group. But not like what? We are on different levels. <laughs> She's my romance too. Partly because I just I, I I like her design. I like the voice. Uh, she reminds me of Morgan a bit from. Oh uh, yeah, Morgan Dragon vibes Age, for sure. Yeah, uh, which is cool because another cool gothy witch type. I just yeah. I, I, that's my soft spot, I guess. But no, I mean yeah. all the characters are great. Which yeah, is, yeah, yeah. I think I, I think there's so many fun characters in that game that stand out. Even small, little, like you said, like the bartenders or those sorts of things that that stand out in a way that. Never in Starfield did I come across a side character that stuck with me unless their face was glitching out. Uh, so, yeah, I think BG3 <laughs> really has has raised the bar in many, many ways for how to build a world that feels real. So yeah. to move on, I, I do have a question about uh, Phantom Liberty. I assume that's what you, uh, you went back to Cyberpunk? So funnily enough, actually, I went back for the 2.0 update because I had uh, I had played the game back when it launched on PC. So I didn't run into any of the problems that the console versions had. Lucky you. I, I know. I know. <laughs> I, I locked out. I bought a 3070 at launch and got one day one. So I didn't pay the exorbitant prices. I built my first PC and I was like, oh, Cyberpunk. That just came out, launched it. It ran well for me. Sure, I ran into a few bugs, but like the game was in good condition on PC around launch. Uh, but the 2.0 update was actually what I went back for. It changes so much. If you have yeah, not played Cyberpunk, now is actually the time. People are not <laughs> exaggerating. Even small things like in Starfield, one of my frustrations is that the game expects you to just pick up everything because you don't know what's worthwhile and what's not. And then you can go and sell it. That was very much the case in Cyberpunk as well. Uh, it's a running trend in video games across the board. Like I remember Wolfenstein had the same thing. Anything shiny, pick it up. Anything shiny, pick it up. That is gone now in the 2.0 update with Cyberpunk. So 
No longer do you need to pick up everything. It's really just weapons. Uh, everything else is on kind of a timer. So you get your grenades back. You get your healing items back. Like they found ways oh, to do interesting. all of your skill trees are completely reworked. There's so many new builds and abilities and everything. The quest lines have even been cleaned up. So some of the story stuff has been tightened up in small ways. Uh, that's what I went back for. I'm actually, I've, I've done every ending in Cyberpunk except for one mm. now. Over the last few weeks, I've been going through, uh, it's kind of like my break game from Baldur's Gate as I've just played so much of it. Uh, I've been blown away. It, 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 Cyberpunk is, it, I didn't Are you get talking it. about yep. the, the new ending uh, that they added with Phantom Liberty or another so, one? Besides? Yeah, this is, this is where it gets interesting is I've only done, so I believe there's like five or six endings in the base <clears throat> game. And then the new Liberty expansion adds a few new endings. Uh, and so what I haven't touched yet is Phantom Liberty. So I will, I will give you guys an update next time because I've done everything in the base game, uh, at least in terms of main character storylines, main story, all of the main side quests. I haven't done everything in the map because it's a huge checklist yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. But I've done all of the endings except for one. So as soon as I've done the secret Johnny ending in mm. the base game, then I'm going to go into Phantom Liberty very very excited about that because i i've just been so impressed with the game overall that i think it, people are saying this takes it even further and is even better that uh i can't wait to see what it has yeah my my only issue is i don't think it should have come out at this time i feel I like this is a it's big comeback story it should have had time to breathe because i'm in the same boat i would have loved to jump into it i actually really like the base game warts and all i think it did i think it did have a beating heart uh, a really strong thematic core at it at its core yeah um but uh issues aside so uh hearing that it all of that's kind of retained obviously but then just kind of enhanced and then knowing that what cdpr has done with the two expansions for the witcher 3 which yeah. are the best expansions for any game really uh and knowing that we're getting this with more keanu more idris like i'm super excited for it. but knowing it came out at the end of september i'm like why are you doing that like yeah. this should have come out in like january or even december when it's quiet because like totally the only be. big game in december as far as i'm aware is avatar um like the frontiers of pandora game mm -hmm. from ubisoft so it's like i feel like it should have because i it's a shame because they put all this work into it and i don't actually see enough people talking about it because i think it's just gotten buried under everything else i'm with you um, yeah actually so close to starfield and bg3 which are massive rpgs and then obviously the xbox version of bg3 still to come later this year uh supposedly so um yeah it's a shame because yeah I, everything you're saying sounds great you know i we got offered a code i gave it to my friend andrew to write about for us because yep. i'm like i don't have time for this like straight up i'm like i wish this was this came out at another time but i'm like uh it's a shame but yeah everything you're saying sounds sounds awesome and yeah you make me want to redownload it i really did like the first i really did like the game originally uh, of yeah. course the mm -hmm. bugs were annoying and my game would crash a few times but um i only did one i only did one ending because i was like you know what they're gonna fix this game so i'll come back to it right and then i just now it's not a great time for me to come back to it because that's exactly just... it we all moved on right and, yeah. and it is hard to find that time to go back and had i not uh kind of bounced off of starfield and then had this open period before spider-man 2 like it would have never it wouldn't have oh, happened man. until next year and who knows what next year is gonna be like so and then for you, it's an open period. For me, it's a Souls-like period. That's um, right. Okay, so I want to ask I, about this. I have yeah. so many questions. So I barely touched Liza P because of BG3. I've been so obsessed with it until uh, literally, I think this week has been the first week where I have not touched BG3 at all. I have not touched it at all because I'm like, I want to write about Lords of the Fallen. I'm currently writing about it. I've only been, 
I think I'm like 15-ish hours in right now. Um, but almost still right about my thoughts so far, just because uh, reviews came up today, and then I, uh, I'm really, I'm having a lot of fun with it. But there are some issues, unfortunately. There's uh, the lo- lock-on mechanics aren't as good as Dark Souls games. Um, and I have like this weird experience where uh, I had a review copy that didn't was missing audio cues and the longer mm. you the longer you played it it started to crash uh those have been updated out now i have audio cues again they're back like and that problem is gone now so uh, i'm not gonna really dwell on it on my review because it's this is pre-launch stuff but uh it made like playing it for the first couple hours kind of weird as well um but i'm really liking it so far and to go to lice p uh really enjoying what i've done there i'm only probably five to eight hours in that game because playing two souls likes are difficult especially when they're on two different consoles because i'm playing lies of p on game xbox with game pass um when i naturally just love to play games on playstation so that's why i'm playing lords of the fallen on playstation um but that game is also very fun they have a lot of similarities too both souls like both have that bloodborne like mechanic where you can gain back some of your health after it's lost and then also um both don't really you're not really dark souls has a big shield up keeping your shield up bouncing it and wait for your time to strike these games don't have that uh like bloodborne yeah they're uh lies of p more so because my sbl you don't have a shield at all uh whereas uh, lords of the fallen you can have a shield but at least as far as I am in the game, um, they don't really have good physical protection um, at all so far. So I've just been dual wielding and you could kind of like block with your two swords together, which is kind of Oh, cool. that's cool. Yeah. Um, is it like a parry mechanic or is it more just a block? It's just a block. Okay. okay. Straight up blocking of two swords together. Um, some of the things are kind of weird, like the backstab mechanic. I still haven't really figured it out in lords of the fallen which is strange because i love backstabbing in the other souls likes games like uh whereas in lies of p you'll you'll see when you can backstab there's like a right. little a, like a little symbol will show icon. up yeah a little icon will show up and then it's like oh perfect i can backstab now and so backstabbing in that game is really fun and easy but lords of the fallen it's it's not i haven't really figured it out yet um there's uh there is a there is a parry mechanic in lords of the fallen as well but it's the timing is very hard to get where whenever i get it i'm mostly just like oh sick like shocked i'm not trying to get it i'm just trying to block and then right i manage to parry um but yeah two very soulsies games that i'm having fun with playing them back to back uh before i get absorbed by spider-man Okay, so I have a couple questions for you, just as somebody else who has enjoyed Souls games recently. I, I was a very late comer to the, the, the genre. Uh, I, I really, I, I, I would say Bloodborne was the first one that really hit for me. Yeah. But then I kind of, I still couldn't quite get into the Souls games. Okay. Uh, just because of the pacing, and I wasn't as interested in the world as Bloodborne. But then Elden Ring really sucked me in. Like, that was a game that blew me away in many many ways so with lies of p and lords of the fallen those are souls likes so they they borrow a lot of mechanics but 
both visually and story-wise, they seem very far apart from one another. So Lies of P feels steampunk, and then Lords of the Fallen is like dark fantasy, would you say? Mm-hmm. So how how are you finding the storytelling? Because From Software is very ambiguous with how they kind of go about their storytelling. I would say unless you're really looking for it and paying attention, it can be hard to track kind of what the main through line is. How do you find it in Lies of P specifically? That one seemed very narrative heavy by comparison. Vati video. Yeah. yeah, a lot of Vati video for me. Um, no, I Lies of P because I'm not super far in. Uh, the story is... There is a story there. It's, it's There is definitely one there. You don't have to read it through all the items. I think some of the items do have little glimpses of it, I think. Um, but there is definitely some story there. I You save Geppetto. He's being attacked by the Mad Donkey, and you save him. And then you uh, go through. You, you're a puppet. You're the whole purpose of the – there are four rules puppets have to go abide by. Uh, one of them is not killing humans, and that seemed to have failed, and you don't know why yet, or I don't know why yet. But um, one of them is you, you puppets can't lie, which is why you're you're different, where you can lie. So the safe area in the game, the one safe area in the game, um, you have to lie to get in there. Right. And then, and then there's another part where a lady is like, my child is dead. Um Oh, my, sorry, my child is missing. Can you help me find my child? And you give you find the child, and it's a it's like a it's like a puppet baby. It's like it's not a real baby. And you go back to her, and she's like, "Oh, this is my baby, beautiful." And I'm like, "Yeah, sure, why not?" But you you can lie and say it is beautiful, and you can tell her the truth and say it's a puppet. But no, I chose to lie. I think my point in the game is I'm going to just keep lying is my role because I want to be more human like. So have lying. you noticed any uh, kind of implications for no, that? Have you been I punished for lying? It. or? Okay. I haven't noticed it yet. Yet. Um, not as far cool. as I am. I, 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 I think, from my understanding, there's quite a few different endings. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, so I'm pretty sure that the lying leads to some endings. Mm-hmm. There's also the post credit scene is wild. Really? Uh, I was talking about it with Dean. I don't know if, you, uh, if you're going to play it or I won't spoil it, but... Uh, you, if you're interested, look it up. It's okay. it sets up what the next game could be, totally. Uh, and it's yeah. it's. <laughs> I was like, whoa, okay. I just really, I really enjoy the how fairy tale it is. It's yeah, very, you have Jiminy Cricket with you, um, who like he he's the one who like tells you things that like oh, you don't go or you can't go there or tell you about this part of the world, or um, it's like your Zelda companion. Yeah, like, like Minabi, Minabi. Or, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Cool. Um, um, hey, listen, no, um, <laughs> and there, there's like different types of puppets too, as well. Um, like one was a crazy clown looking guy. There was another one who was like a, like a police, um, looking one so far. And you just, like, I, I like it. I, they seems to, they seem to have done a good job. It's not perfect, I wouldn't say. I think that um, I don't know. There's no no major flaws, but it's not perfect so far. When I I played the demo for Lies of P, and Ooh, yeah, one yeah. of the things that I found was that it was I was having a lot more difficulty than I was with an Elden Ring or a Bloodborne initially because the dodge roll was very short at that time. Is that's that they they had said they tweaked it for full release? Have you found that? 
the difficulty is more intense or anything like that? How does how does it kind of compare in terms of the challenge present? So I did the demo as well. Mm -hmm. um, and it took me a few hours to do the demo um, when I played it, maybe two or three hours. But when I played it, when you go, the demo is just the first beginning part of the game. It's right. It's the exact same. Um, but doing it now was a lot easier. And it could be just because I know where to go because I did the demo. But uh, it felt a lot easier. It, I, the, I, think the, I think the dodge is better. Um, and the mechanics do seem smoother than the demo did as well. Um, I also know in that game, you level up your health. Level it up first. Okay. Okay. Uh, Good tip. Good tip. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, uh, it's very helpful having a bigger vitality in that game more than any other souls like I play. Or maybe my souls like experiences would have been easier if I did that as well. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's cool. I, I, I really, I've been attracted to Liza P because of the style. Like they definitely settled on a vision for that game and committed to it. And it seems like they pulled it off. And it's cool too, because it comes from a Korean developer. And I don't know of a lot of Korean games mm -hmm. at least i didn't think so but korea is kind of having a moment right now between this dave the diver uh they have i keep forgetting the name of it they have that one really cool looking uh almost like devil may cry style action sword game mm. that playstation has as an exclusive oh, that oh, looks really oh, cool oh, uh, i know it's on the tip of my tongue it starts with an s i think so no it's that's okay. We'll think of it. We'll I, think we of know it. what we're I, talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly the Korean about. development yeah. scene is definitely coming up, just like the Chinese game development scene. Like uh, PlayStation made a, a big investment into that market, uh, mm -hmm. gave a lot of kind of money to the developers there, and we're seeing that with uh, the other game. It was another almost Bloodborne-esque, but looks more yeah. action game that they showed off at their last uh playstation showcase Can't remember that one's called either but it's... it has mm -hmm. zero in the title i think uh, after it uh yeah. but yeah basically there are all these really cool experiences coming out of markets that haven't traditionally put out triple a blockbuster titles and and the output has been incredible so i'm really excited for those quickly on lords of the fallen though you, so you played lies p lords of the fallen same genre very different approaches what is the appeal of Lords of the Fallen for maybe somebody like me who hasn't experienced the first game? What's the sell for it? So I didn't play the first game, really. I okay. tried it and was like, this isn't fun. Like, I just straight up maybe played an hour of it and was like, I'm not having fun. It's too clunky. It's slow. Uh, you can't design the character, or at least as far as you can. You couldn't. It wasn't your own character. There's three options I, from my, what I remember, and it just wasn't as... Well, it wasn't what I wanted, especially after just playing Bloodborne. I Bloodborne was my first Souls like, so then I started with that, and then I was like, "Oh, let me go back and try different ones." Sure. Um, and I was like, "I don't like Lords of the Fallen." Um, this one is super fun. I love what I've been enjoying a lot is the exploration. Um, I'm really enjoying. There's so for those who don't know, there's two worlds on top of each other. One is called Axiom. That's the main world, the world of the living, where you go in. It's just like a normal Dark Souls game, whatever, Axiom. But if you die, you come back to life like Sekiro, but you come back to life in a, a, the a underworld called Umbral. Umbral has – it looks creepier. There's like – at some points, it was very uh, – what's that game called? 
the walking simulator game. Death Stranding? Yeah, very Death Stranding. There's just dead things just hanging. <laughs> uh, there's just dead th- I wish there was a walking simulator. <laughs> there's just like dead things hanging around. There's um like it's creepier, but it opens up new ways to explore. Whereas in Axiom, um you'll see a lake. But in Umbral, there's no water. Water does not exist. So that lake is just now somewhere you can explore now. You can go under, mm, you, can, cool. you can find out. There's also an axia, and uh, sometimes you'll just be like, where am I supposed to go? Um, and this has happened a few times, right? I'm kind of lost um, more than I have been in previous Souls-likes. But it's like, oh yeah, it must be time for me to go to, into Umbral. Um, the issue okay, of, cool. Yeah, and then you go, you 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 can you can spend your whole you can spend the life to do it or you can just fight and die um but then um when you're in when you're in umbral there's these different there's different passageways there's different um like la- you'll find ladders that weren't there before because they're made out of like someone's spine um there's different enemies and the longer you're in umbral the more like the more in this game souls are called vigor uh, the okay. more vigor you'll get because there's a multiplier um so you'll end up getting more but then the longer you're in there the creepier things that come out um there was one point where i was just like oh this area is not easy this area is not hard let me just chill um and then like i'm in umbral and then these red glowing things just started coming at me and I just literally got scared and went back to the bonfire and <laughs> got out of there. Cause I was like, I don't want to lose my souls, but these things are scary. Uh, what's also cool is that you can just hold a lamp up and the lamp will show you into umbral. So you don't always have to die. So if you do, if there, you do know there's a bridge there, you can just raise your lamp and the bridge will appear just in that area. Um, but that's super cool. That is very cool, but things it's because you can see into Umbral, things can see into see you as well. So if you if you keep it up too long, something can attack you and bring you into Umbral, um, which is cool, a little annoying sometimes. But sure, sure, <laughs> yeah. It, it, this cool. is one of those mechanics though that I, I haven't really seen done exactly before. Like it, it, it does sound very, very original. Yeah, that's and that's what I love about it. I just, I that's what I love about it more than like the combat is good and quick, but the lock on mechanic, I think I mentioned it, isn't great. Um, so sometimes you're behind the character enemies, um, and Axiom itself, at least where I've been, it's like the the lighting or the color textures, the colors feel weird. It's like a like, it's kind of hard to, or there's a lot of like, um like smoke and dust in the air and whatever so it's like like hard to read the environment sometimes yeah exactly whereas when you're in umbral it's just it's this dark creepy world but you can perfectly see everything it's because there's nothing nothing alive is there right right um how have you found the performance just because i i know reviews came out today and we were talking about this a little bit before the podcast like they're all over the place there's some fours there's some eights yeah they're they're kind of ranging it's i think it really depends on when that person wrote the review um playing it last night uh and there was a few updates that came out yesterday for ps5 um it was a lot smoother than i had been playing it before but and this is one of the first games where i don't really ever have performance mode on i usually always have the picture quality to look nicer i like when things look really nice 
Um, but I had to t- I had to switch it to performance mode because I was having more stuttering issues, and that did help a lot. But it made it not look as nice, which is a little annoying. Uh, and did you find that like sometimes a performance mode to a quality mode, it's it's just a slight drop in resolution, or maybe uh, they turn off some of the extra effects like God rays or whatever it is, right? W- what was the noticeable change in that quality? Uh, it's, it's, it's it's a re- resolution thing. Okay. It, there's a drop in resolution. Yeah. Gotcha. 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 Um, but yeah, it's it's a really fun game. I'm 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 having I think I'm having more fun playing Lords of the Fallen more than Lies of P. Interesting. Uh, it, because I'm more of a fan, dark fantasy. I love Dark Souls three. That's one of my favorite games as well. I love like different spells you get. I love. I'm such. Oh, I love magic. I love magic so much. Um. <laughs> so uh, and there's different cool different spells that you couldn't get in, um, uh, like that you've never type of seen in um Dark Souls games. The magic works cool. differently as well. Um. So I really do enjoy it so far. There, but there, it just it's. It's. I feel like it needed a little bit more time in the oven. That's and they probably saying. should have given it more time in the oven. Again, just the craziest month. We have Spider-Man yeah. 2 <laughs> literally, what is it, next week? Next yeah, week. Next Friday? And Mario and, uh, Wonder, same day. Mario Wonder, Alan Wake 2. Like th- this. Sonic. It, it's an impossible period to come out. Like Lords of the Fallen seems cool. There's no chance I'm playing it this year. There's no chance. Yeah, for me it was a highlight because I'm just a Souls fan, and I am sure. really enjoying it. And I'm happy I'm doing it, but um, I'm so excited for Spider Man, so I better finish this game before next Friday. Brad, can you lead us into some Spider Man? Please tell Brad. Brad has already platinum this game. Just to let what? everyone know. <laughs> I knew you got the code, but dang. <laughs> yeah. There was one trophy that I was stuck on because I was overthinking it and I had to reach out to someone that I know was playing it. And I so I actually got the platinum later than I should have because I was sitting at 98% of the trophies for like Thanksgiving weekend. But I finally got it on, on Monday on Thanksgiving. So thankfully. Um, That's something to be Yeah, I love for. it. Yes, uh, I love it. I, I think it's uh, a smart and natural evolution from the last two games. Um, I think my, my biggest thing was I was Insomniac is a great studio and they pro- they obviously proved themselves with the last two Spider-Man. However, being a Spider-Man fan, I have seen time and time again how Spider-Man stories have been ruined by overstuffing them with too many characters, too many story it's side plots, etc., etc. Uh, Spider-Man 3 obviously was the first example of that. And I think that movie's still legitimately solid. Raimi did the best he could given everything, but there was too many villains. Amazing Spider-Man 2 was the worst example of that. So many things going on. Even something like No Way Home got pretty messy at times with all the things going on, even though I really like that movie. Yeah, but yeah, So point being, having a game where two Spider-Man are the co-leads mm-hmm. we've never had before. Like Shattered Dimensions, shout out to Beanox in Quebec City, had four playable Spider-Man, but the structure was very weird because they all had their own separate levels and then yeah. they never really came together. It was just even the final boss fight, they weren't fighting together. They were fighting Mysterio individually in their own respective world. Yeah, so that's right. we've never really had a game and even something like Spider-Verse, the new Spider-Verse movie. Gwen is a, a, a large supporting character. You could argue she's the co-lead with Miles, but it's still Miles's movie. Ultimately. Right. Right. That's it. That's going to be his trilogy. She has a big role in it. So, and obviously No Way Home has three Spider-Men, but, Tom Holland is the lead. So anyways, my point being is we've never really had something that, especially a video game, you know, 20, 30 hour video game that uh, 
juggles two characters. So I was I was a little worried. I'm like, how are they going to do that? Is it going to feel like more of Peter's story and Miles as a side character sort of thing? Because that obviously is a very easy to imagine. But no, they they handled it so well. The ways that um, they balance it, every character, uh, each character gets meaningful things to do in the story. Uh, you know, from a gameplay perspective, Miles has all his Venom powers and they've, you know, expanded on some of those as well. And then obviously Peter has the symbiote. So it doesn't feel like one is necessarily more powerful than the other. They just have different sort of versatilities. Um, but even like from a larger thing, and this is kind of what I'm going to get into my review, is that every character is served very well by the, by this story. Like uh, what I love is that everyone is kind of given a chance to shine, whether it's Mary Jane, whether it's Craven, whether it's Harry, this is maybe my favorite take on Harry that we've ever gotten wow, outside okay. of the comics. Um, it's very much in the spirit of amazing Spider-Man two, where the whole idea that, Oh, Harry's sick and he's kind of coming back into Peter's life and he needs help. That's sort of the core story behind Harry in this game. But obviously, a testament to the strength of video games is unlike a two-hour movie that Sony had yeah. setting up 500 other movies, yeah. this is a 20, 30-hour game. So they can really explore Peter and Harry's relationship before, obviously, things hit the fan. Uh, and I like the fact that you don't actually get the symbiote until several hours in. Like, when I did oh, the really? preview event... When I did the preview event, they made it sound because we had already had the symbiote at that point. They made it sound like that was really like only like two or three hours into the game, but no, it was several hours. So you wow, spend a lot okay. of time with Harry, a lot of time with. There's a they've confirmed it. So um, there's a whole section with Peter, Harry, and Mary Jane at Coney Island, and it reminded me in the best possible way of the last of us part two, when you're in the museum with Ellie, cool. just yeah. the, the, this, this very heartfelt touching sort of relationship between these characters and them hanging out and playing games and everything. And you just, you really feel that relationship with Harry. So when things ultimately do, you know, put them on, on opposite ends, because it's not a spoiler to say the trailers heavily suggest Harry is venom. So that's all I'm going to say. Uh, they confirmed it wasn't Eddie Brock. So obviously there's some, <laughs> some antagonism that's going to go on between them, but it feels meaningful and earned uh, the way miles plays into the story. What I really love is that uh, everyone has like, there are side quests that um, so there's main story quests where you play as one, you play as the other. And then somewhere you're switching between the two mid side quests. Like we saw in that set piece from the state of play, which is really good. Um, but then there's side quests that are specific to each character. And then there are side quests that either of them can do, uh, which is really cool because there's, fundamentally they play out the same you know it's not like a bg3 style game where there's going to be a hundred different outcomes yeah that's yeah. not this that kind of game but there's a lot of cool different dialogue depending on which character you use and i kind of i kind of liked that i don't know if you remember if either of you uh, did the side quest in the first game and did the one with the old guy and the pigeon oh yeah 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 that was kind of like a silly like kind of filler quest they bring that guy back and there's such an emotional beat to that this time around and you can do that that quest with either peter or miles oh, cool. and i i did it with with miles because i'm like oh um i i was kind of making those decisions where it's like i could play as peter who's the more experienced spider-man and he obviously has a bit of a relationship with this older guy or i could play as the fresh-faced teen who's kind of still new at this and that's kind of interesting dynamic him talking to this older man who's you know done a bunch of things in his life so and then you get a lot of interesting dialogue with that so i thought that was really cool but also just that like i said the way they balance them like peter's story is very much about harry and mj and miles is very much about uh mr negative from the first game um 
the arc that he goes on through that is really compelling. Uh, everything with his mother is, is just super touching. There's a whole side quest. Because um, the one thing that Miles Morales did really well over the video game Miles Morales mm-hmm. did very well over the 2018 game was the side quest felt very improved and, and very rooted in a sense of community. Like you really felt Definitely. like Miles mm. was a hero for Harlem specifically. Yeah. And so they really doubled down on that here. Like they bring back Haley from cool. that, oh, which was cool. such a nice character. She has such she's a, awesome. she's a much bigger role in this, which is really nice. She's a really got a very endearing relationship with, with Miles. Uh, she, for context, she's deaf, yeah. um, which is cool. And then Miles like does sign language with her, which is really awesome. Um, so they bring her back, but also just like, there's a side quest chain where, sorry, that's my phone. Uh, there's a side quest chain where Miles is um, helping his mother uh recover stolen equipment from them from a museum because miles is studying wants to study to do music so you kind of learn more about his passion for music and they also kind of flesh out his relationship with his mother because they're obviously both dealing with the loss of the the dad from the from the last game uh and then that really pays off in like a really cool like it's like that whole side quest is like kind of a tribute to like the pioneering african-american musicians which is really cool like i won't spoil how they get into that but the payoff to that whole side quest is like oh it's not even just a nice thing between miles and his mom but it's like it's celebrating the whole new york community and like all these like cool jazz musicians and everything i'm like so there's just so many cool little things like that uh where like everyone kind of feeding into that larger theme of like everyone can be a hero like you don't have to be a superhero you don't have to have a symbiote you know you can everyone whether you're aunt may or a jazz musician or rio miles's mother so i loved it and i didn't even really touch on the the gameplay just the uh the web wings are so cool oh um, i'm like, so excited I, about I that. I love, to fly around Ugh. that's exactly i love they, any game like just cause three where you get a jet pack and stuff is just mm. the best it's one of those things where again there's a little bit of a worry there i don't even i'm hesitant to even use the word worry but just that you know this core swinging is so good like why would you mess with that yeah but they've done such a great way in in implementing it into the swinging where it just feels like a natural extension of it where it's not you're still fundamentally going to be swinging most of the time but i love the the moments where because in other games you know if you're swinging and there's not really any building around you're kind of stuck in the middle of the air uh, you can try to do like a web zip or whatever, but generally you're just going to kind of fall and you kind of lose all momentum that way. But with the web wings, you can just launch off into an area where there's not a lot of b- tall buildings and then web wing until you get to another one. They have a lot of like strategically placed uh, air currents, uh, which is a very video game sort of thing, but it it's very useful for a traversal where it's either there's some that shoot upwards to give you a lot more uh, verticality and then others that are horizontal just to kind of zip you. Those oh, are cool. particularly handy if you're like crossing bridges and everything. Hmm. Um, especially because one of the new neighborhoods that they added in this is Queens, which is Peter's hometown. So there's a lot of very small houses, uh, low houses. So there's not a lot of places to swing from that. So in that sense, it's really cool to just kind of, web glide or use the the wing glide over uh peter's neighborhood which is really cool. i've been to new york i think five or six times in the last year so i'm super excited yeah. now that i feel like i really know the city a lot more i'm really excited to really explore it all um peter seems like a jerk though like he seems like in the trailers he's kind of so, like a, yeah yeah so what i what i love about this game and it, it's it's what the insomniac team does so well with the narrative perspective they using again because games just have the natural ability when done right to tell a lot a deeper story than a movie can and so first of all peter's uh 
Peter's darker side is is contextualized with he literally just lost his aunt, the only person in his only family left in the world, and then uh, now yeah. his his best friend, his his only friend really, right? Because uh, outside of Mary Jane, his only friend, uh, I, I mean, Miles is like his, his younger brother, I guess you could He's say. He's though. Yeah. You know, Harry is his lifelong friend and he comes back into his life and he's finding out that he's dying. Right. So yeah. his whole quest is to save Harry. So that's what I like about it. That ev- even when he's wearing the symbiote and there's darker scenes with him, everything is rooted in him trying to save Harry. So it adds a weight to that symbiote arc. It makes sense. That some other time, some other times in the, st- in, in those sorts of stories, they don't necessarily justify why he's, yeah. he's as bad as he is. It's just, Oh, it's kind of the symbiote. But here it's like, Oh, he's grieving his aunt and he's desperate to save his, the only other family he has really can, other can than I Mary Jane and, and miles a little bit yeah. about that because Spider-Man has been around for decades and we've seen so many iterations of kind of the same stories. It's why mm-hmm. the Tom Holland movies finally didn't repeat the story of <laughs> uncle Ben dying. You know, it's, it's that sort of stuff that we hear so often. They didn't and, even mention him. Right, right. Exactly. It's, it's, one of those things where when we saw in the gameplay snip like this a little vertical slice they showed at the PlayStation showcase and he's Venom, I went, oh no, are they repeating the same story again that we're so familiar with? Uh, even even in the first game, I would I think it was an awesome iteration of Doc Ock, but Doctor Octopus, we're we're all very familiar with what that journey is. Do you feel that they subverted a few of those expectations here, or are we? following the same beat by beat version of Venom and Craven and all of these others that we've seen before. No, I, I think they definitely, I will say one of my few criticisms of it is I don't think Craven is as cool as he could be. Okay. Uh, I think that's always a villain who has a lot of potential, but isn't used that well. And I think in this case, just the way the story is told, he has a lot of a back, he has a background role a lot of the time because he's right. kind of like in the shadows manipulating a lot of things like the whole reason the lizard is around is because that craven orchestrated that the whole reason mr negative escaped is because craven escaped him or broke him out so he wants these aren't spoilers the best right like these were all names like uh, a black cat was in there as well and yeah and you can do some side quests to learn a bit more about craven's family because there's a whole backstory to that uh including the chameleon being his uh brother in the comics Cool, Uh, cool i'm not I'm not saying anything more about that in the game. Uh, play it to find out. But there, you can learn a bit more about his family. But I will say they don't. I don't think they do anything particularly interesting with Craven. But I do think the symbiote story is among the better takes that we've seen on it okay. because, again, they have the longer form ability to explore it through gameplay, through side quests, through um, all that sort of thing, and also just the fact that Miles is in the picture. That's something yeah. that we haven't really seen. A lot of the other times with the symbiote story, Miles isn't there because Miles is a recent character, right? He's yeah. only introduced maybe like 10 years ago. So any popular iteration of the symbiote story, Miles just wasn't a part of it. So seeing how, you know, this younger kid who looks up to Peter is going to play into that, right, uh, is important. And, and I also think to their credit, there have been a lot of obviously Peter, Mary Jane stories over the years and Part of the, the problem with Marvel editorial is they're always afraid to keep them together because they think the only way Peter can be relatable is if he's single, which sure. I think is kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, because as if relatability is confined to that and, you know, not just being married and having marital issues, right? Sure. But what I like about this game is they doubled... Because the first game was very much will they, won't they sort of thing. Obviously, they get together, but they were they were on a break, basically, yep. uh, in the first game. But in this game, they're fully together. They're kind of weighing in whether... She's going to move in with him because he's at um, he's has 
uh, Aunt May's house now, which is another thing he's got to deal with. The right. mortgage issues with that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so, stuff yeah, like relatable. that is very relatable. Yeah. yeah, stuff like that is very human and relatable. But also, just there's a they get surprisingly into like the intricacies of the Peter and, and Mary Jane relationship, and and the payoff to that is really impressive. And I will say another thing that video games can do that other stories can is they can play with perspective in an interesting way. So you know, seeing Peter in the symbiote as other characters, right? Like seeing him as miles or seeing him as other people, uh, you know, that makes him scarier. Right. Like, frankly, like, you know, it's one thing to see him in Spider-Man three, you know, dancing in the jazz club and then hitting Mary Jane, like Dean, uh, (laughs) he's dancing along. That's still, that's still fundamentally from Peter's perspective. But what do you, when Peter starts to really become this sort of monster in the suit, what does that look like when a hum- regular people are looking at him? And and if you're playing as those sorts of people or, or just even seeing it from that perspective, like video games can kind of jump around like that uh, in a way, in a, in a more larger scale than than other mediums sort of can. So I think that's kind of interesting. So. I think one of the And then obviously pranks- just once Venom introdu- is introduced, I mean, you have Candyman voicing him, Tony Todd. That is yeah. the best casting maybe ever for Venom. Like, come on. Like, And one thing I will say which is really cool is even before Venom fully is introduced, like Venom proper, as the symbiote starts to take over Peter, you hear uh, Tony Todd's voice here and there kind of feeding in, which is really cool. Uh, So yeah, there's lots of big things and small things like that that really um, make this a really interesting story. Oh, I'm so excited. Ah. I know. We're we're counting down the days at this point. Uh, I'm very jealous that you have platinumed it already. Uh, last question for you because you kind of touched on it early. Uh, there are a lot of villains in this experience. We already know that there's a lot confirmed. If you had to choose a favorite to look out for for people who haven't experienced it yet, who who should people keep their eye on as kind of a standout villain for you? I mean, just I mean, just Venom, I guess. Like, and, and by extension, Harry, just because that's such a compelling story. I think in the same way that Doc Ock, that they kind of humanize that relationship with Peter before he becomes evil. And then same thing in the Miles Morales game where they take the Tinkerer, who's like a C-list character, uh, and and make do a complete 180 with her and make her like relevant to Miles' story. Yeah, just the way they do with what they do with with Harry. Um, because there's there's times like I love the Raimi movies. I don't particularly think they did a good job of making Harry and Peter feel like friends. Like I never really bought that Tobey Maguire and James Franco would ever be friends. <laughs> you know, like I didn't. Uh, so some of that stuff didn't hit as hard as as it probably could have. But but this game just they recast the actor who played him, uh, Harry, from the first game because uh, he was in like the side quest where you would do stuff like science you'd and stuff, and voice. Harry would be like uh, you hear his voice. So it's a different voice, but. I wouldn't. Yeah, it was a very minor role. So uh, the new guy's good, and and there's a lot of, they they kind of play. Uh, they reveal a lot of, of stuff that happened with them in the past as well. Cool. Um, so you kind of get into their their friendship there. So I really like that, and just also again to the point of the side quests are overall um, to the quality of like Miles Morales again. So there's a lot of uh, surprise villains in those too. I will say, which is fun, and also the the collectibles which this time around are spider bots not um backpacks like the first game and the spider bots are all from across the spider-verse love uh, and, and not the movie but what i mean is that yeah, there's yeah. a spider-verse there's like a spider-man 2099 cool. bot there's like a um miles morales bot there's like a penny parker bot and 
that's all I'll say. There's there's a cool payoff to that, and that's all I'll say. All right, so if nice that we all. got Goatee number three coming out next week. That's great. Awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so many options. All right, guys, this has been a long podcast. I wish we could talk more about this stuff. I I, I mean, we can go back. We could have a, we could have had a whole podcast just about BG three, just True. about Starfield, just about my souls likes, just about all of this stuff, right? So there's a lot to talk about. Um, but I mean, we'll do another one hopefully a lot sooner my bad guys it's been super busy with all the pixel stuff but that is it everyone thanks for listening to the syrup arcade cast where can people find you at brad uh twitter i'm not calling it x uh brad shankar b-r-a-d-s-h-a-n-k-a-r uh same thing on instagram and on mobilesyrup.com and by the time this podcast is out brad's review of spider-man will also be out so please take a look at it right brad yeah yeah um and you can find me on twitter at the daily dean and on instagram and threads at my daily dose and of course on mobilesyrup.com where i have written an article about lords of the fallen and if you're into tech stuff i just had some pixel 8 pro review come out as well um and Chris, people can't find you anywhere still. Right? I don't exist. No. I, I am the AI of the Syrup cast. So if you want to find Chris, you can find him on Spotify where his name is Chris Brown. And actually, don't no, listen no, to music. no, don't no, don't, don't, don't give him the money. <laughs> yeah, I'm my bad, guys. Don't do it. Don't do it. But and as always, you can find all of our content on mobilesyrup.com and also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at mobilesyrup. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.